We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story. You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. love Jesus. He unites us with his blood. We can do it here. We can do it in Africa, throughout the world. But Jesus is the one that makes us family, gives us true family. I just, I'm so grateful for that. And thank you so much for letting me be here this morning and to get to share a little bit about what God is doing around the world and then also to experience the presence of Jesus with you guys. I love you guys as pastors. Do y'all love your pastors? Amen. I first met, yeah, they're awesome. They're not here. You don't have to clap. No brownie points today. I'm just messing. They're awesome. We first met those guys about nine years ago. We were uh, just getting started as missionaries, and they were like, hey, you guys are from Arkansas. We want to take you out to lunch and, to, uh, and to, to talk to you guys. And we started our relationship with them. And the very first thing I thought about Shannon was, my Lord, this guy is country as cornbread. <laughs> not, not that cornbread they eat up north that doesn't have sugar in it, but like jiffy cornbread. You know what I'm talking about? This stuff from Walmart. He is so country. It was awesome. We loved it talking to them, and it was so much fun hearing about what God was doing in, in Ecuador, and then whenever we uh, heard that they were transitioning back to Ecuador, we knew it was going to be a blessing, and it has been a blessing, so we just thank God for that. We thank God for our relationship with them, because they've been a huge help answering questions and helping us uh, to learn about how to be good missionaries overseas, because they were some of the best. So like uh, Mackenzie said, my name is Matt Marlin. Um, I live in Mozambique, Africa with my family. I want to first show you where Mozambique is at, if you'll uh, bring up the map. It's a country in southeastern Africa, directly inland from the island of Madagascar. We love it. It's wonderful. I'm there with my wife, Andrew, if we can go to the next picture, and our four children. Uh, I was watching HGTV once, and some of y'all might have seen this show, but they start off the show by saying, I have four too many children, and I guess that's true. Uh, they're not with us today because they're uh, a little bit snotty. I didn't want them snot all over y'all's kids and get them sick as well. Uh, you know, it's strange. We live in Africa, and they never get sick. We come back to America, and they pick up all these new bugs and stuff. Their tummy start hurting. It's wild. And that's our pet elephant, Ellie. Just kidding. Uh, so my kids' names are Cedar, Cypress, Acacia, and Olive. And that's my beautiful wife, Andrea. Yes, they are all tree names. Uh, and yes, it, it's not just like trying to be cool or something. We uh, God really gave us those names. Um, if you pay attention, Cedar, uh, Cypress, and Olive, they were, they were woods that were used in the temple. And then Acacia was used for the Ark of the Covenant. So our prayer is that they house the presence of God. Uh, like those did in the Old Testament, so we love it. So we live in Mozambique, Africa, and we went there about nine years ago with the vision of starting campus ministry. God had changed our lives at UCA, at the University of Central Arkansas, and we just felt like God was calling us to go and to see the same thing happen throughout Africa. And I remember standing on our first university campus. It was in 2014 in January. Andrea and I had just gotten to Mozambique, and I kept asking myself, where in the world are we? I mean, who has even heard of Mozambique? Andrea was about six months pregnant with our first kid, Cedar. We didn't have any kids when we went to the field. 
And one of the first things we did when we arrived in Mozambique was we went onto the main campus who wanted to start a campus ministry on, and we just began to prayer walk. We'd been really thrown into the deep end. Andrea's father passed away the very first week we arrived in Mozambique. And we were just trying to figure out how to survive in this hostile spiritual climate. I mean, when we first got to Mozambique, it was wild. Like one uh, evening, me and my wife were sitting uh, on our couch. How many of y'all sit on your couch at night with your wife and your husband, you know? All right. Um, just sitting there like you guys do. And there were two cups of water on uh, two different nesting tables. And uh, all of a sudden, one of the cups of waters was just thrown by an invisible hand off to the side. And I'm like, ah, that's weird. So I went to the kitchen, and I came, I got a towel. I was going to come back and clean up the water because I assumed a gust of wind had blown it off or whatever. And as I was walking back into the room, the other cup was violently thrown in the opposite direction by a spiritual force. I remember one time I was in my... Um, living room, and I heard a blood-curdling scream. This was in the first couple of weeks we were in Mozambique, and it was coming from my neighbor's apartment, so I ran over there thinking somebody was getting attacked, domestic violence or whatever, and I banged on the door, and when I opened the door, there was a uh, 13-year-old girl manifesting a demon, so the demon was speaking through, and I knew this girl. She was a sweet little girl, didn't speak a lick of English, and that demon looked at me and started speaking to me in English. It was wild. What would you do? I was like, I don't know what to do. We were just trying to figure out how to survive, right? But God was faithful. You know, he always is. God is so faithful. And as we prayed and we learned how to live in step with his presence, we began to meet new people, learn new things, make new friends, make disciples. And everything grew from there. It's been awesome to see Jesus' faithfulness. We've been in Mozambique for over nine years, like I said. And when we arrived and we started on getting on these campuses with a vision to, to reach and disciple the future leaders of, of Mozambique, nobody had ever heard of campus ministry. I mean, there wasn't one campus ministry. There wasn't any organization. No churches were trying to reach out to these university students. It was wild. So we got our hands dirty, began to disciple people, and now we have discipleship groups on over 45 different universities in five different cities. It's wild. We don't, we don't think in terms of just campus ministry anymore because things have grown beyond that. What we describe what we do is that we think campus-centrically. What that means is that we focus our discipleship on university students, but after they graduate, we help them do wild stuff like, like plant churches. So in the past couple of years, we've planted two awesome churches, and they are absolutely killing it. One of them has seen four Muslims come to the Lord in the last couple of weeks, just walking in step with the Holy Spirit, the whole same Holy Spirit that is with us this morning. And as he leads them and he guides them, we're seeing really cool stuff happening. I mean, they're seeing incredible supernatural stuff. In both of our churches, we're seeing people come to the Lord every single week. We help our graduates start discipleship groups at their work and influence the marketplace, their coworkers, and beyond. And we help them start organizations that feed the hungry and, and help with food security. Mozambique is the eighth poorest country in the entire world, so people go hungry all the time. By discipling on the university campuses, we've been able to raise up leaders who are affecting them every area of society with the gospel. Can we go to the next picture? I want to introduce you to our extended family. These are some of our staff and interns, and we just love them so much. I wish I could share the testimony of each one. Their lives are really a testament to God's faithfulness and His, and his goodness. And, and as you can see, we're really, really blessed. We have seven full-time Mozambican staff this year and six interns who have been brought up in the ministry and are now learning how to do campus ministry. And our interns have been doing cool stuff. Uh, from our internship, we have sent out the very first home missionary from the Mozambican Assemblies of God, meaning a missionary going into a different city 
in their own country. And then next month, we'll send our, the very first uh, foreign missionary to Botswana, a different country, uh, to see uh, work done there. It's really cool. So these are the faces that you guys invest in because you've gone with us. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You guys have supported us for a couple of years now. And so these guys, this fruit that we're seeing is because of you. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much. But this is only the beginning. Things are growing more and more and more. And we started planning in other countries. Just this last May, we sent our very first team of Americans, and like I said, soon to be Mozambicans, to the country of Botswana. And they're doing super-duper awesome. They're starting campus ministry in that country as well. And we're so excited about what God is going to do for all the campuses in Africa. But in those early months of our time in Mozambique, we learned a lot of things. Being stripped of the comforts of our lives in America, as you can imagine, and separated from our spiritual community, like, it was really, really, really difficult. It led me to ask some difficult questions. It was a really hard time of just learning how to follow Jesus. One of the main questions I asked myself over and over was, am I experiencing the abundant life promised by Jesus? Have you ever stopped to take stock of your life and ask that question to see if you're experiencing what Jesus said that you should be experiencing? If you haven't, like, you should start right now. Just take thought. Take, take a minute, pause, and just say, wait a minute. I've been reading the Bible for a long time. Am I really living the way that the Bible said I should be living? Am I experiencing the things that the Bible said I should be experiencing? Because I'm continually challenged by the promises of Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says some wild stuff. But one of the craziest things he says is in chapter 7, verse 17, he says this. Every good tree bears good fruit. If you've read your Bible, you know this verse. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And then in verse 18, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. I love this verse, but it's crazy challenging. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? He's saying that we can get so much to the place of being like Jesus that we naturally, not just naturally, but easily do what Jesus would do if he were in our circumstance every single time. In fact, he says that we can be so much like Jesus that we won't be able to produce bad fruit in our lives. Now, that to me sounds like abundant and eternal life. That's how I want to live. Are you experiencing that? Are your days filled with peace, power, and the presence of God? If not, we just have to ask the question, why not? I started doing that in my first few months when we got to Mozambique. I began to ask the Lord, what was missing for me because I was not experiencing that? And he started showing things to me. He showed me that while I believed that Jesus was Lord and Savior, I hadn't really begun to do the things that would orient my life around him and his presence. Does that make sense? You know, I think a lot of Christians are like I was. They're disappointed at the lack of peace and power in their own lives, especially when they look at the promises of Scripture like that. They're like, where's the breakdown? What's going on, Jesus? But maybe like me, they're just not doing their part. Because the reality is that Jesus has done his part to initiate this eternal, abundant life thing. But maybe we aren't doing our part to access it, to experience it, to live it out. So how do we do that? Throughout, Christ, uh, throughout history, serious followers of Jesus have really asked this question. And they've experimented with this. Like McKinsey said, there are fathers that have gone before us to craft this faith that we now believe. They've provided the scaffolding, the structure. We stand on their shoulders so we can learn from it. And these guys have found specific practices helpful in their attempt to live in the fullness of life that Jesus has offered us. They're called the spiritual disciplines. If you don't like the word discipline, they're called spiritual practices. 
Has anybody here, is anybody familiar with that terminology, spiritual disciplines? Raise your hand, please. I just want to see. Nice. All right, we're going to introduce some fun stuff. I mean, you guys already know the stuff. You just maybe don't know the term. There are things like prayer, fasting. We know those. There are things like solitude, silence, study, simplicity. They're things that we do habitually. That means that we do them over and over and over again to grow into the life that Jesus has for us. When we do them, we access a power that's beyond ourselves that allows us to do stuff that we just couldn't do by own effort, the own force of our will. You know what you got? You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's the battle to want to be one way, but something else just keeps popping out. And it is a battle. It is a battle. And I'll prove it to you because we all experience this. You know what I'm talking about when you're driving? Some knucklehead cuts you off, or they're going really slow, and you're on one of these curvy, windy roads, and it's like the speed limit's like 60, and they're going like 35, and it's not even a grandma, it's just some knucklehead. What, what pops out inside of you? Is it the love of Jesus just to bless them and to say, praise the Lord, I get to enjoy the scenery more? Now, I know what, you're ta- I know, I know what your natural reaction is because it's my natural reaction. Because y'all think people drive crazy, but y'all don't live in Africa. Africa's a different level of crazy. Where I live... They do a thing called the double turn. Have y'all heard of the double turn? No, you haven't heard of the double turn. You just live in America where people follow the rules. So the double turn is this. You know what a turning lane is when there's a lane that's clearly marked that this is where you get in to turn? Well, uh, in my country, they don't like to obey that rule. So you'll be in the turning lane. You'll wait your 30 minutes to turn in the super long line in the heavy traffic of Maputo where I live where there's 4 million people and there's traffic everywhere. And you'll wait for 30 minutes. And then you get up to the front and some knucklehead just decides to come up next to you in that other lane. You need to go turn around. We're going together. So, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a missionary. I'm actually a professional Christian. And so I've really gotten better at this. So when I first got there, I would get so, oh, just get blazed up inside. I'd be so mad. But I gave it over to the Lord. Now I just bless him. Bless you, double turner. It's all right. <laughs> but one day I was driving and taking my kids to school. And I had to wait in this stupid long line to go turn down to the school. You know what I'm talking about if you drop your kids off at school. There's always a line. There shouldn't be a line, but there is a line. And you're waiting in this line. And then there were these guys that were coming up. They were going to double turn with me. I'd wait for like 20 minutes. I was like, all right, whatever, double turn. We're going to go together. It's going to be fun. But then I saw this tiny little car was going to try something radical that day. They were going to triple turn. And I'd had it. <laughs> all these youth groups in Arkansas had raised a lot of money for me to buy a massive speed of light vehicle, and I was going to use it for the Lord's glory to scare the mess out of this lady who was trying to triple turn. And so we start going, and then that little car zips out in front of not just me, but the double turn guy, and then some triple turn girl. And then she's just like right perpendicular to me, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So I have a, a Toyota Land Cruiser with the big bull bar on the front, roof rack, big tires, like just to be, because we got to be off-roading all the time. And it's a diesel engine, so diesel engines can roar. And so I roared that dude up. I squealed my tires the best I could, and then I was running up on her. And right as I got closer, she took both hands off her wheel and go, she went, Aah! And I felt so satisfied in my heart until I realized that I, that face looks familiar. Oh, Lord Jesus. That woman in that tiny little car has a kindergartner in the exact same class as my kindergartner. I wonder where she's going. Oh, yeah, the exact same place I'm going. Like, my car doesn't stand out. So, anyways, I'll save you the messy details, but we're not friends. You can pray for me as I navigate the triple turn. But you guys understand what I'm talking about? If we just try and be patient, full of love in the moment, we'll never do it, right? 
That's the problem with WWJD bracelets. They're awesome, but every time we look at them, we're like, oh, Jesus, oh, dang it, I didn't do what he would have done. Because our natural reactions always pop out. But if we practice the spiritual discipline of prayer and a bit of silence before we start our day, before we get behind the wheel, giving everything that will happen in our day over to Jesus and committing to receiving anything that comes as an opportunity to grow from the Lord, then over time, Jesus will change our natural reaction. And then we will respond how he would respond if he were in our circumstances. So I'm working on that triple thing. It's getting, it's getting better. The spiritual disciplines, they're just not optional if we want to live a life like Jesus because that's what following him means. We can't just believe in what Jesus said. We have to do what Jesus did. This is so important. And, and you know, growing up, uh, going to church, I missed this so often that, that I just thought it was about believing in Jesus and believing what he said. But no, that's not it. We can't just do that, even though that is massively important. And that is the open door. We have to do what Jesus did. So study his life, not just what he said. Study his life. Mimic his practices. Because Jesus regularly engaged in the spiritual disciplines. They provided the scaffolding for his life. And it gave him structure and order and allowed him to do what he was able to do. Remember, the goal of Christianity isn't just to believe in what Jesus believes. It's to reflect the image of God. It's to be like Jesus, no matter where we are or what we're doing. And that includes a whole life, everything that we do. So today I want to give you some homework. Not just any homework, but the homework for the rest of your life. Isn't that awesome? I work with university students, so I love homework. I was like, I graduated college, and I was like, I can't get enough of this stuff. I just want to keep going. So I've been doing it for the last 15 or so years. So I want to give you some homework this morning. The thing you should strive to do to orient your life around. This is the mother of all spiritual disciplines, the one that unlocks the heart and transformative power of all the others. It's called the practice of the presence of God. The practice of the presence of God. This idea and the things that we've done to grow and practice in the presence of God have directed more of what we do in Mozambique than any other single idea. Shapes how we do staff meeting, our worship times, our outreach, intern meetings, church planning, every single thing that we do. And we've seen the massive fruit that it could produce in us personally and as a community. It has been so important to us. So it's really, really one of our core values in our, our campus ministry movement throughout Africa. And so it's really an honor just to get to share something that we've learned uh, over the past couple of years with you. So if you have your Bibles, we turn with uh, to them to the book of uh, John. We're going to be in chapter 15. John 15. I'm going to start in verse 4. John 15, 4. Here we have Jesus speaking. He says this, yes. You can stand for the reading of the word, please. Thank you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. You can have a seat. Thank you. Okay. Did you guys know that God is always available 
He is always present. He is always with us. His love, it surrounds us at every moment. It's like we walk through his goodness and presence at every single moment of our lives. Did you know that? In this verse, Jesus is describing this thing, the availability of God and the importance of it for our lives. He says our lives are like branches that are connected to a vine. If we stay connected to that vine, we will receive all the protection, provision, nourishment, and guidance to produce much fruit in the kingdom. And this fruit, it's personal. It's personal in that it shapes our character and the quality of our lives. But it's also, uh, it's public in the sense, and it's external in the sense that it just means more people coming into the family, coming and being a part of the kingdom of God. So that all sounds great, but, but how do we do it? How do we experience this personal transformation and see many disciples made, like, not just from the church staff, but, like, personally? I want to make disciples. Do you want to make disciples in your life? Absolutely. We want to produce fruit for the Lord and build his kingdom in our lives as well. Well, what does Jesus say? How do we do this? It's simple. It's so simple. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much what? Fruit. So simple. All we have to do is abide in him. All we have to do is abide in him. And if we don't, what does he say? For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not nothing. You have a negative response. Okay. I love it because Jesus doesn't say that you'll struggle. He doesn't say it'll be difficult. He says you will do nothing that matters for the kingdom of God. Think about it. Think about that. I don't want that to be the story of my life. So we have to figure this out. We have to abide. It's, it's an all or nothing thing. If we do it, we'll very much prove to be disciples. And that makes God super duper duper happy. Abiding means that we stay with Jesus. We live with Jesus. You know, it's like an older word. Many people don't walk around saying like, good sir, where do you abide, right? No, we don't talk like that anymore. But uh, even in common usage, um, we can understand what it means. We have a similar word uh, like abide, which is abode, which some of us might use, which means where we live. So it means living. It means being. It means spending time. It means it means planting your life there. We have, uh, in Africa, we receive a lot of visitors. Uh, when new missionaries come to be a part of our team, they stay with us while they're looking for a house, getting adjusted to their new life. They abide with us, and we want them to abide with us for a week. Because when new missionaries come to Africa, they have a lot to learn. They have to learn, to, like, just because you're walking on the sidewalk doesn't mean some of those crazy drivers aren't going to try to drive on the sidewalk and murder you. That does happen often, so we have to... Talk to them about that kind of things, you know, safety stuff, road stuff, new food, language. In Mozambique, we speak Portuguese, so like when I'm there, I never, ever, ever speak English, so it's always speaking Portuguese. They have to learn new language. But the most important thing that these new missionaries get to learn is the culture, the DNA of our missionary family. What are we doing? How are we doing it? And why are we? And how do they mainly learn this? By abiding, living with. And this is what Jesus is talking about in this verse in John. Abide with him and we'll produce much fruit. That's what we all want. So the question is, how can we spend more of our lives with Jesus? Being with him. Living with him. And this is the kicker. And this is the very important part that many of us miss. How can we include him in the mundane average parts of our life? Because you guys are all coming to church and, and it's awesome and experiencing the presence of God and you're growing. 
But God wants to fill in the gaps between Sunday. And he wants to be a part of that Monday slump. He wants to be a part of right before your bedtime. He wants to be a part of your daily commute to work. Throughout history, Christians have called this practice the practice of the presence of God, of learning how to abide continually with Jesus. If God is as present as a vine is to a branch, then we have continual access to him, continual access to him. So the question we have to answer is, how much of our lives does Jesus want? You know, it's, it's one thing for me to say he wants it all, but how much do you think he wants? How available is he to us, really? Think about your lived life and your actual experience on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. How much do we experience God? Is it that he wants to be like a Sunday school teacher that hangs out with us on Sunday, gives us a couple of tips on how to live life, and then says, get on out there, have a good week, I'll see you next Sunday. We'll, we'll circle back around and see how it went. Is that how God wants to be for us? All right, so maybe we'll mature in our, our idea of God a little bit. And maybe he's like a boss that wants to have a little pep talk every morning, just 30 minutes, just 30 minutes. Don't get distracted, just 30 minutes. And we're going to hang out with him for 30 minutes. We're going to, you know, learn some new stuff. He's going to encourage us. We're going to be glory, glory, hallelujah. Maybe have 15 minutes of K-love, and that's awesome. And then he's like, all right, I got more important stuff to do. So get on out there. We'll see you tomorrow morning again. Is that how much of our life he wants? God absolutely wants to be present with us at every moment of every day. So much so that he says if we aren't abiding with him, then then we can do nothing. So the practice of the presence of God is simply this. The act of trying to live consciously with Jesus of every moment of every day. Totally possible. I know it might sound a little crazy, but it's totally possible. Not just to live with Jesus in some sense of like I'm a Christian, so I know Jesus is always with me. No, no, no. Consciously, as if he's walking next to us. Every moment of every day. So it's really, really easy to begin. All you have to do is believe in the scripture that we read and recognize that God is intimately present with us. Remember, he's the vine. We are the branches. We're surrounded by him at every single moment. And then we just train our mind to remember this over and over and over and over until it becomes the backdrop of our thought life, how we think and how we live how we interact. A pastor I like who, who wrestled with this idea and this practice, he puts it this way. He said, always start by asking yourself this question. Are you awake? Are you awake? Not are you awake physically, but are you awake to God's presence and reality and activity in your life now? And now? And now? And now? Did you know that you can live like that every single moment of every day, awake to God's reality, accessing his power and his wisdom and his love everyone that's around you. Absolutely, that's what he wants for us. Remember the promise of the good tree? That's how we access it. There's another one that always challenged me that, that where he says that streams of living water will flow, they'll gush forth from us. This is how we do it by staying connected to the vine. And so I know that this is really like kind of abstract stuff, so I want to get real, real practical with you this morning. And so to help with how to implement this, I just want to share with you a couple of things that we do in Mozambique to grow in practicing the presence of God. Very practical stuff that you can start today, even while you're listening to me speak, and definitely do for the rest of the week. We didn't make this stuff up, but we have really worn it out and really uh, experimented with it, and these things have really, really helped us to stay awake to God's presence. So let's wake up. Can any of us agree that the world is trying to lull us to sleep to God's presence? Oh, goodness gracious. We need to wake up. So turn to your neighbor and ask, are you awake? Anybody's really asleep, just wake up. Just give them a little. 
loving God. All right, so the first thing we need to do is remove distractions. Say remove distractions. This is really a prerequisite for being able to successfully practice the presence of God. Because most of our minds are cluttered with stuff that doesn't help us out in any way. Stuff that definitely doesn't help us grow closer to Jesus. We have to remove distractions that will hinder our ability to interact with Jesus all the time. If I were to ask you guys to close your eyes and try to focus on the presence of God for two solid minutes right now, hardly any of us would be able to do it. And you know what would pop into our minds? That Hallmark Christmas movie we watched last night. Because we all know Countdown to Christmas is going on. Or if you have migrated to that other channel for, for family reasons, and that's great, those movies too, you know what I'm talking about? I love Christmas movies. I don't like rom-coms. I like Christmas movies. That's why I watch Hallmark Christmas movies. Anyway, that is an aside. Okay, one time I said that somewhere, and I heard a guy like legit in the front row be like, there goes your man card. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. So I receive it. I understand. It's a personal flaw. Okay, so this is why we have to work at it. It's a practice. We have to practice at this. We have to work at it. That's why it's necessary to start small and then grow. Like I said, when I first got to Mozambique, I wasn't doing this or any of the disciplines very well. I was getting paid to work for Jesus. Just remember that. Like, I woke up, and when I wake up every single day, I don't have a box that's like, all right, 9 o'clock, be here, do this and this. No, no, no. It's wide open. I am supposed to listen to Jesus and do what he says, okay? But I was not doing this. I didn't really understand my job description when I first got there. I was being super distracted, believe it or not, by ministry. Isn't that crazy? I was so caught up in the business and busyness of living and working in Africa that I wasn't talking to Jesus throughout the day. I wasn't asking him what he thought about this or that. Asking him what, what he wanted me to do or who he wanted me to talk to. Inviting him to let me know how I did at a meeting or if I was really reflecting him to that little lady that I bought food from at the market. But slowly I did begin to fill my day with more and more of this, staying awake to God's presence around me. And I began to include Jesus into the day-to-day stuff of living, and it began to change so, so, so many things. So what about you? What's distracting you from living with Jesus? I mean, it's really easy to figure out what it is. You try to spend any sort of extended amount of time with Jesus, and then you feel your heart yearning for something else, feel the pull of your attention going to something else, it's a pretty good sign that's the thing. You know what I mean? Think about it. Maybe it's social media. Have you ever tried to spend a day alone just talking to the Lord? Oh, man, our fingers get itchy and we get all anxious because we're not used to this, because our hearts have been taught to love other things more than we love Jesus. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's movies, whatever. Maybe it's a relationship. It could be anything. Remember, that apart from him, we can do nothing. So if we want to grow in this, we really have to be ruthless in cutting out the things that want to lull us to sleep to the presence of God. So what do you need to start cutting out? Start small, but start somewhere. Cutting out something, some distraction out of your life. We must remove distraction. Next thing, getting started, is we need to turn our inner monologue into a conversation. We need to turn our inner monologue into a conversation. This is one of the best and most basic ways to stay awake to the presence of God. Because the reality is that all of us are always talking to ourselves in our minds all the time. 
We think in a stream of consciousness. Words and thoughts, they flow in one after the another. I mean, you guys know this. We've lived as long as we've lived, and this is how we all live. What if instead of talking to ourselves, by ourselves, we just included God into that ongoing flow of monologue, making it a dialogue? What I mean by that is instead of thinking, what am I doing, why don't you just think and ask God, what are we doing? Not where am I going, but where are we going? Open yourself up to an ongoing conversation with God. And, and I know it's kind of a new idea, but that's because we've lived our whole lives without being challenged to do this. We've never, we've never been challenged to include somebody into our lifetime of private thoughts. But do you guys believe that the Bible teaches that we house the presence of God, that you are a temple of the presence of God? Does the Bible teach us that? Yeah, yeah. And so if that's true, we're not going anywhere alone anyway. So let's just include the guy who's always with us in that conversation. Amen? Has anybody here ever, like, made the thought or had the thought? Sorry, we speak Portuguese, and so, like, my English translation in my head has got terrible. Made the thought. That sounds so, like, important. Has anybody ever had the thought, man, I wish God would just speak to me more? Anybody? I wish that I just had a, a like an open line of communication with the Lord. Has anybody ever desired to have your life be like a radio that was tuned into the voice of God? You could hear him so clearly throughout the day that you would just know what his will was for your life. And you would know what he thought about the person next to you. I mean, has anybody ever wanted that? Well, this is how we get there. When I first started doing this, I had those same thoughts, but as I started saying, God, I want to talk to you, not just once, not just in my quiet time, but consistently throughout the day, I was shocked. God talks a lot. He talks a whole lot. And you know why? Because how many people do you honestly believe in this area of northwestern Arkansas are doing this? He is hungry for somebody to open up their life to his voice and his presence because he will fill it with his words. He will fill it with his voice. He'll fill it with his directions and instructions and that's where it's radical because and difficult because the problem then isn't hearing the voice of God and you're not going to have a problem hearing the voice of God it's going to be doing what he tells you to do because sometimes I just want to go to Walmart and buy my groceries and not have to prophesy over somebody amen and you know I'm talking about if you've ever tried to open yourself up to God you just you just become so aware of the needs around you and he asks you to do things that are uncomfortable that's what life is about and that's how it's fun 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 adventure following Jesus so Start the conversation with Jesus. He will talk to you. So in Mozambique, our campus ministry has grown a lot. So uh, we're on 45 different campuses. We have hundreds of students involved. Um, and so because of that, we're not able to fit in many spaces. Uh, so when we come together for our corporate worship settings, we have to do it a lot of times outside in like soccer fields and stuff. So last year, we were having one of these outdoor worship times uh, right in the middle of our capital city of Maputo. And it was really cool because there were these apartment buildings all around uh, the soccer field where we were. So I got up to speak on a certain topic. But during my message, I felt very specifically from the Lord in that inner conversation that I'd been developing, that he wanted me to just pause right there, just like I'm doing right now, just to pause in the middle of my message and ask if anybody was ready to accept Jesus and just do it right there. And I was like, Lord, no. You know, that doesn't really fit. Maybe we can do it at the end of the sermon. He was like, no, do it right now. I felt it. And I was like, all right. So I was obedient. So I paused and I did it. It was cool. Later, I found out about a guy who was in his apartment when our worship afternoon started. He heard me speaking and he was curious. So he opened his window so he could listen. And he sat down on his couch and he began to hear what I was saying. God really began to stir his heart during my message. And when I suddenly asked if anybody wanted to accept 
Jesus. He knew it was for him. So you know what he did? He immediately, right there, knelt down in his living room, prayed the prayer, gave his life to the Lord, and that was cool. But he didn't just stop there. He came downstairs to the soccer field, to the entrance, found somebody on our staff, and lo and behold, he was a college student too. So he heard about our campus ministry. Now he's one of our leaders, and he is leading one of our small groups at one of our universities. So it's awesome. Jesus is so good. And it was so easy. But it was because I'd been developing that inner dialogue with Jesus that I was able to be sensitive to his voice in that moment. God wants to do this stuff through you. You know, in, in Acts, uh, Peter multiple times says that God is no respecter of person. You know what that means? That means that he, if he will do it through somebody else, he can do it through you. So, you know, maybe not what he does through Dean Caldwell, because that man has a special anointing, and he's memorized the whole Bible. I don't know if he can do it through me. No, I'm just messing. But you know what I'm talking about? If he can do it through someone else, we can receive it as a promise that he can do it through us, and we can trust God for big things. So start the conversation with Jesus. Start small. Start now. Start this week. As you're riding in your car, whatever, start talking to him. He will talk back. The second thing is called prayer and action. Prayer and action. This is something that we do uh, weekly that allows us to grow in our accuracy in hearing the voice of God while we're practicing interacting with him. And it is so fun. Our guys in Mozambique, we do this a lot, at least weekly, sometimes multiple times a week. And what we do is we go before the Lord in prayer and we ask them if there's anything specific that he wants to do, wants us to do for a specific time. So you could do this if you're about to go to Walmart or you're about to go to work. You could just have a little prayer time before and ask the Lord, is there anything specific you want uh, me to do in this time? Uh, sometimes uh, we'll do it for a specific market or a specific uh, campus, or we'll just do it for generally for the city and just ask the Lord what he wants us to do. So what we do is we spend time listening to the Lord, not ruling out any thought that he gives us. He'll speak to us, sometimes in words, images, ideas, whatever. We don't rule out anything, and we write down or record what we think that he is saying uh, for us to do. And then we go, and we try to do what he said to us, said for us to do. Sometimes he sends us to talk to specific people. Sometimes he has us go on a prayer walk or interceding for, like, specific stuff over a specific place. It's just an organized thing that we do to help us to learn to accurately hear God's voice all of the time. To be able to distinguish our thoughts from his. And some of our most fun stories come from this, as you can imagine. I want to introduce you to two guys. Uh, the last picture that we have. These guys, their names are Celso and Carlos. About a year and a half ago, we sent these guys out as our first team. These are the, the first home missionaries that the Assemblies of God have ever sent out to a different city. So we sent them to a different uh, city in Mozambique, to the second largest city in Mozambique called Beta. Uh, and, man, they've been killing it. Uh, I dropped them off and have not gone back since. So this isn't anything that I've done. This is just what these guys have done. But in one year, they were able to raise up over 40 different small group leaders on five different universities. And they're all reaching the future leaders of Central Mozambique. So they're doing an awesome job. And I praise God for their faithfulness and their obedience. But Carlos is the guy on the street. And he was doing prayer in action uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And he was with a small team, and they were praying for a, very, uh, a specific market. Uh, and while he was doing prayer in action, while he was in his time of prayer and listening, he felt like God showed him an image of a very specific man in uh, specific clothing. It was an older gentleman in a black and white striped shirt that would look a specific way. And he, he told him the market the guy would be in. And not only did he give him the specific uh, stuff that the guy would be wearing, but he told him to tell the man. That this man had been searching for God for over 30 years. And God knew it. He saw him. But that this guy had been searching for God in all the wrong places. 
God showed Carlos that this man for over 30 years had been reaching out for God at times. And he always felt like there was just this wall between him and God. He could never break through. So Carlos went to this market and almost immediately found this older gentleman walking in the middle of the market. He was an older man. So when we get words from the Lord for people, we try not to be weirdies about it, you know, like prepare yourself for the word of the Lord, right? I've never met you before. No, we try to be normal people like, hey, what's up? My name's Matt. What's your name? What do you do? So Carlos did this with this guy. And the man replied that he was one of the main witchcraft supply dealers for that entire region of Mozambique. Isn't that wild? Carlos was shocked. And this is crazy because the main religion in Mozambique is ancestor worship and witchcraft. I mean, almost everyone that's not a really devout Christian uh, is practicing some sort of ancestor worship and witchcraft. Even people who call themselves Muslims or whatever, they're all doing this stuff. So it's very, very common. And so because it's the major spiritual stronghold in our country, uh, these guys are very confident in their position, and they are very against Jesus type of stuff. And so some of our most crazy conversations and interactions have been with these guys because, you know, this is their livelihood. And so Carlos was a bit hesitant when the guy said that. But Carlos had some experience with this, and he knew that God had spoken to him, so he moved forward, and he was obedient. And so Carlos shared the word that God had shown him. That he had been seeking out for God for seeking after God for over 30 years, but always felt like there was a wall between. And when he did that, this man's countenance changed and his eyes rolled up with tears and he said, How could you have known that? I've never told anybody. Carlos was like, able to share with him the reality of the true way, truth, and the life. Right? He shared with him that Jesus is the way over that wall. And he was able to pray with that guy. And he was able to experience the love of Jesus for the very first time in his entire life. Isn't that cool? What I love about this story isn't just that, you know, God reached, you know, one of the main witchcraft supply dealers there, that, that he reached this man. But that that one act of obedience, that one act of yes from Carlos, practicing the presence of God, destroyed the work of the enemy in that region. Because when he closes up shop, that shop is closed up. So we praise God for that. Prayer and action. The last thing I want to share with you is a thing called lightning prayer. Pew, pew, say lightning prayer. Can everybody make a pew, pew sound? There you go. You'll never forget it. Now, nobody's ever made a pew, pew sound from this pulpit. Hopefully not. If Pastor Tom's crazy, maybe he has. Anyway, so this last idea is super useful. So how can you take advantage of traffic, lines, walking in busy areas? How can we take advantage of that time? Lightning prayers. So as we converse with Jesus throughout the day, Talk to him about the people that were passing, the people in the cars next to you, the people that are with us in class. Ask him to bless them. Ask him for specific words that you can pray over their life. And then just commit. Just commit that, that for a specific day or a specific time, you're going to pray for every single person that you pass. You know, they don't have to be very long prayers. We know that if you work in a busy area or you walk in a busy uh, area or, or section of town or whatever, you can't pray for Long prayers for everyone. That's why it's called lightning prayers. Very quick, short prayers. But do this and see how it changes, how you look at people and how they look at you. It's incredible. It's really supernatural. I can't tell you how many times that we've been doing this in a busy area. There's hundreds of people. You'd be praying for somebody from across the way, and their countenance will just change as they experience the presence of God. Really, really cool. We believe that God is real and that he answers our prayers, so let's just be, be about it. Let's do this more consistently. So we do this a lot in Mo's as well, like, like all these things. Uh, one of my friends, George, he was on campus in May, 
And he was in a specific dorm talking to a guy about coming to his church. So in Mozambique, their dorms aren't like two people like they are here in the States. They're like 15 people in their dorms. So there's a bunch of people in this dorm. But he was talking to a specific guy. But he saw uh, another guy in another bed that was all curled up in his blanket and wasn't facing anybody. He looked sick. So George just lightning prayed for that guy. Lord bless him, heal him, whatever's going on. But God asked him to, to go. And, say, and God told him, that's not enough. I want you to go and actually talk to this guy. So uh, George went over to this guy and was like, uh, hey. And the guy rolled over and he was like, hey. And he was like, hey, you want to come to church with me tomorrow? And the guy was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I have fever, diarrhea, whatever. I think I'll have, like, symptoms like I might have malaria. I'm not going anywhere tomorrow. George was like, oh, okay. Well, hey, what if I make a deal with you? What if I pray for you and you're completely healed? Well, then will you come to church with me tomorrow? And the guy was like, yeah, of course. Like, this guy had a traditional background, like, very animistic, spirit worship stuff. So he didn't believe anything was going to happen. But he let George pray for him. So George prayed for him that Jesus would heal him. And guess what happened? Jesus healed him. He came to church the next Sunday, gave his life to the Lord, and hasn't missed a Sunday since. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is so cool. He's doing stuff all over the world. He's doing stuff here in Hector. He's doing stuff here in Arkansas. Mozambique is being transformed. Arkansas is being transformed. And the beautiful, simple thing is that all we have to do is practice God's presence. We, me, you, we just do the simple things that will help us stay awake to his reality and presence. And what does his word promise? It promises it will bear much fruit. There are a million ways to stay awake to God's presence. You guys are going to discover new ones that I didn't mention. Here's just a couple that you can try and begin to to experiment with. But the reality is, is that we have to make the commitment that we cannot let the world lull us to sleep. Imagine if this whole room Went to work tomorrow, went to school tomorrow, went into our homes tomorrow, practicing the presence of God. What could happen? I think that we could see more on earth as it is in heaven. Don't you? Okay, let's all stand because I really want to encourage us to, to take a step of obedience in response to the Lord. Because I feel like this is for us this morning. There's a couple of practical ways that we can begin to practice this in our life, even now and, and going on into this week. But I want to ask you a question. Because we have to start by analyzing our lives and allowing God to speak to us the things that are going to sabotage our desires to do this, even this week. What are the things that are going to distract us as we begin to practice the presence of God? So I want us all to close our eyes. I'm going to pray for us. And I want you to pray and ask the Lord to reveal some specific things or a specific thing that he wants you to cut out of your life. Even this week. And then after that, I want you to be bold, if you're willing. You don't have to. If you don't know me, I don't know you. I'm not your pastor. But if you're willing, I want you to share with somebody that's here what God has spoken. Because I found that in my life, when I commit before somebody to do something, it's a lot easier to actually do it. And if I just make a commitment in my head and just say, yeah, Lord, I'm going to do this. No, let's, let's take the step and let's be bold because we actually want to change our lives and lead to a change. So. If God reveals something to your heart, let's, let's share with somebody. So let's pray and ask the Lord to search our hearts and reveal to us anything, whether it's really small or really big, that he wants us to cut out. So, Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you're so present with us, that your love surrounds us at every moment. You know, I think somebody here needs to hear that, that, that in the dark days of depression, when they feel like they're in a pit, that you're there with them. You're sitting next to them. You're wrapping your arms around them in a hug of love. There's nowhere we can go to escape from your presence. Help us to feel that and experience that more and more. God, help us to do the things that we need to do 
Whatever it takes, we'll do it to orient our lives around your presence, to base our lives in your presence. God, we know that there's so many things that this world has, so many things that that are in front of us to distract us from your presence. God, we ask you, Lord, that you would reveal to us the unhealthy ones, things that we need to cut out so that we can more fully focus on your presence. Speak to your body right now, God, in the name of Jesus. Speak to us, Lord. God, I just trust you're going to reveal this to us because you want us to be close to you even more than we want to be close to you. So increase our desire for intimacy with you. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it's not going to take a long time. As the Lord begins to reveal stuff to you, lean over to the person next to you and just say, hey, this week, you know, I want to cut out, you know, in the mornings instead of immediately reaching for my phone and scrolling through Facebook, I'm going to spend time in prayer and worship, whatever. Whatever God has revealed to you, just share it with somebody. I'll give you just 30 seconds if you want to do that. make that commitment before the Lord. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We commit to removing distractions from our lives. We commit to practicing your presence, to really pressing in to the conversation with you and to experiencing your reality in our day-to-day this week. So help us to have the courage. Help us to remember these very practical things that we can do to stay awake to your presence. Because we want to see more of you in our lives. We want to experience more of your abundant life inside of us, inside of our families, inside of the lives of our co-workers, inside of our communities and our neighbors' lives, as this glorious kingdom of yours spreads from house to house, from life to life, till it floods this, this area with your glory as the waters cover the sea. That's what we want to see, Jesus. So let it be in the name of Jesus. So I just bless these guys that this week, as they begin to practice your presence, as they begin to converse with you, that, that they would hear your voice more clearly than they ever had before in their entire lives, that they would feel like that radio station, has the static has finally cleared up, and that they've got a direct line to you, Jesus. And I just pray that you would speak to them. Speak to them. Speak to us, God. We want to hear your voice. We commit to doing what it takes to position ourselves to hear your voice. And I thank you for this in the name of Jesus Christ.